Thank you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. Well, we're seeking God and we're trusting him to do things beyond what is normal and he's causing us to grow. And as we grow, it's important for us to clarify what we mean when we talk about church. If somebody were to ask you to define church, what would you say? Is it a religion? Is it a building? Is it a worship service? As a new believer, I would have said yes to all of the above. The first time I joined, the first time I joined a church, it was called Christian Chapel, and we met in a little elementary school, and uh, they had amazing worship, and uh, that was totally foreign to me. I didn't grow up with music around the home. I didn't, definitely didn't grow up with worship. And the whole time I was there, I don't think I really participated. I would just watch. And they were such a curiosity to me. The worship team would just get lost in the presence of God. And I would look at them and go, wow, it looks like they're experiencing something. Couldn't, couldn't quite put my finger on it. If you had asked me at that time, what I thought the church was, I probably would have said it's a worship service. But later, I learned that God said, my thoughts are not your thoughts, and your ways are not my ways. And so this morning, I'd like us to take a look at what God's word says about the church. And we'll begin with the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 2. He wrote this, he said, You are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. You're no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. The church in the New Testament was first and foremost a community. It wasn't a building. They didn't have any. It wasn't a religious organization. There was no such thing as a 501c3. It wasn't a worship service. They didn't have a sound system. They didn't have contemporary Christian music. They didn't have cool graphics. It was a community of believers. When the church began, members not only met during a Sunday meeting, they also cared for each other as a community Monday through Saturday. We call this life group. The real life of our church is not what happens in this auditorium. The real life of our church is the gatherings that happen during the week as we gather in homes and restaurants, hotel lobbies, coffee shops, or at the beach. Here's an example of what I'm talking about. I took this picture two weeks ago. This is life group. <laughs> we don't do this on Sunday morning. We don't gather in small groups and have a meal. That happens after this. During our Sunday service, you may not even know the name of the person sitting next to you. But in life group, we develop relationships. We get to know each other, and we do life together. Church Community is actually a six-week series, often offered as a class. Uh, we'll, but we're, we're doing it as a series for Sunday morning. And we'll feature a new life group each week just to highlight the idea that church community, that community is what the church is all about. Now, members of a community are different from guests. 
Guests visit and they stay for a while, but members are here to stay and they are actively involved. Members have responsibilities. You know, we're always glad to host anyone, everyone that comes here as a guest, but we're responsible for the spiritual well-being of the members of our church. And there's a difference between members and guests. In my home, when I have a guest, I provide the meal, I do the dishes, and I take out the trash. But that's not true with the members of my family. In our home, we share responsibilities. When the kids were little, their job, before anything, was to finish their homework. And then they had to keep their room clean, and they had to take care of the cat and help mom. My wife, she takes care of the inside of the house, and I help. Husbands, I know you don't have this problem, but sometimes she wishes I did more. I take care of the lawn, I empty the trash, and I catch lizards. I told my wife, I said, uh, we need a boy, so I may bestow upon him the mantle of official lizard catcher. <laughs> For some reason, my girls do not gravitate toward the challenge. <clears throat> the point is this. If you're a family member, you do your part in the house. The same is true in the household of faith. This series, Church Community, is designed to help you understand church life. And as we go through this series, we'll talk about the mission, the vision, and the values of every nation. For today, our topic is the church. The Greek word for church is gathering. The church is the gathering of disciples. And the new life we have in Christ is not just a personal experience. Jesus intends for us to live our new lives within a community that has a common loyalty to him. It's very important for us to be clear about that point. He intends for us to live in a community that has a common loyalty to him. Our lives, it's the same principle that allows us to have unity or oneness in marriage. Sometimes when I talk to couples, I find that one spouse is really focused maybe on their job. That's kind of their main thing. That's their priority. The other spouse is maybe focused on the kids. And after 20 years, if, let's say, the husband is focused on his job and the wife is focused on the kids, after 20 years, they have grown far apart. And then they hit the empty nest syndrome, and they look at each other and they're like, you know, I, you're not the same person that I married. In order for there to be unity and oneness in marriage, they need a common focus point. And that's where God is the invisible third partner in a marriage. If both husband and wife can focus on God as, as their goal, as their direction, over time they are actually moving closer to each other. At the end of 20 years in the emptiness syndrome or at the end of life, they find that they are closer at the end than they were at the beginning. But if they have another focus, another goal, one is heading in this direction, the other is heading in that which Paul actually said, that's a picture. Marriage and the oneness in marriage is a picture of the church. And so it's important that we have loyalty to him as our common focus and goal in order to maintain unity and oneness in the church. That's the focus of today's message. What is the church? And when we understand this, we'll understand why it's important, not only to you personally, but also to the whole world. 
we find an insight about the church in Acts chapter 2, verse 41. Luke wrote, So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. So I have a question for you. Added to what? Yes, the church. Those who were saved were added to the church, and that's the biblical pattern. The result of being saved is being added to the church. After repenting and being baptized in response to the gospel, those who heard Peter's sermon were added to the church. In fact, on the first day, 3,000 were added to the church. Did you know that the first church was a megachurch? On the first day, 3,000. The writers of the New Testament gave analogies to describe the church and how it functions. Peter said this in 1 Peter 2.5. He said, You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus. The church, Peter is saying, the church is like a building made of people. You know, men build buildings with wood, with stones, but God builds his church using people. And therefore, we need to be a part of a church community. Paul also said, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. So the church is like So one was a building. The second picture is the church is also like a human body with many different parts. As in the body, uh, so is the body of Christ. There are no spare parts. Did you know there are no spare parts in your body? Old school medicine used to believe that the appendix was unnecessary, that it was a leftover from evolution. But modern science now knows that the flora and the fauna in your intestine has a symbiotic relationship with the body and is necessary for healthy digestion. And guess where most of the healthy bacteria is stored? In the appendix. There are no spare parts in the human body. In the same way, in the body of Christ, every member, every one of you is important and has a God-given, ordained part to play. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. The point being that we are corporate. We affect one another whether we know it or not. Things can be happening. We may not be aware of exactly what's happening, but we feel things. We pick up things. We sense the mood, the atmosphere, because we're like invisible radio transmitters and receivers. We give off signals, and we receive signals, and we read each other. When one member suffers, all suffer together. If one is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And so here's the point. As a member of the body, you need to be connected. You need to be connected. Our last insight is from the Apostle John, and it's found in Revelation 19.7. John said, Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and the bride has made herself ready. The church, the third picture, the church is like a bride, preparing for her wedding day. Paul compared the church to a radiant bride, 
without wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. John described the church as a bride prepared for her husband. Now think about the last wedding that you attended. And think about the bride preparing for her wedding. The months, weeks, and especially the day leading up to the ceremony, there was so much preparation. On the day of the wedding, she has arranged a team of people to help her prepare for the wedding. And most of the day is set aside just to prepare. The Apostle John is saying in the same way, we need to set ourselves apart in preparation for the groom. There is a word for this. As the bride of Christ, I need to be consecrated, meaning I need to be a set apart. I need to be set apart for the groom. The church, in summary, the church is the gathering of the disciples. The church is like a building. The church is like a body. And the church is like a bride. Therefore, as followers of Jesus, we should be connected in community and consecrated to him. If you're already in a life group, I want to challenge you to consider going deeper. If you're not in a life group, I encourage you to visit a few and see where the connections happen naturally. Right now, some of you, if you're not in a life group, might think, thanks, but, sorry, but I'm too busy. Or I'm not really interested. Or that would be a little uncomfortable to me. I've said these myself. But I'm reminded how God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, and your ways are not my ways. And oftentimes when I'm in the process or maybe even in the struggle of making a decision about whether or not to go to a gathering, I ask the Holy Spirit to guide me. Because I'm an introvert, I find myself asking God, should I attend a meeting? And many times he reminds me of the scriptures found in Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, which says, we must also consider how to encourage each other to show love and to do good things. We should not stop gathering with other believers as some of you are doing. Instead, we must continue to encourage each other even more as we see the day of the Lord coming. Oftentimes, God has impressed that verse upon me when I'm trying to make a decision whether or not to go. Another principle about gathering in groups that I find helpful is found in Genesis. When God said, the result of sin is death. Now, that may not sound like it relates at first, but if you did a simple word study on the word death, in the original language, that word means separation. The word death means that the result of sin is separation. So initially... We see this with Adam and Eve. They got separated in their relationship with God. The first thing they wanted to do is hide. Sin causes us to stay away from God. It also causes us to stay away from people. And so I recognize when I'm feeling like I don't want to be around people. This is probably the time that I need to press in and (laughs) that I need to to connect. Connect. Because the enemy wants to isolate. It's the age-old strategy of divide and conquer. Very often, as a result of what I just shared, I'll make a decision that is counterintuitive. I'll actually go against what I'm feeling and make a decision. And I find that when I go, God honors that. When I take a step of faith, 
to go to a gathering and then God speaks words of grace and then I'm encouraged. I can tell you, I've, I've heard this story over and over and over again over the years. People will go to a meeting and they'll say, you know, I didn't really feel like going here, but I'm glad I did. It's great that you're here today, but an hour and a half on the weekend is a very limited diet. During the week, you need community. You need to be connected, and we need to be consecrated, meaning we need to set ourselves and our time apart to be with the body of Christ. We need to be the bride preparing for the groom. As I said in the beginning, Church Community is a six-week series, and this series is normally offered as a class, but I decided to have it as a Sunday morning series, sermon series, uh, since none of us have gone through it yet. And the most important part of this series will happen in life groups over the next six weeks. Each group will have a set of discussion questions. And when you attend Sunday morning over the next six weeks, and when you attend life group, you will have completed the class called Church Community. Now, you may have various questions about the logistics of that. Uh, See your life group leader. They have all the details. After this, uh, real church starts. What time is it now? I'm asking because there's no clock up there. I don't know what happened to it. Real church starts in about 10 or 15 minutes. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you designed us for relationship. Father, I thank you that you you designed us to be connected. Father, I thank you that, that you are softening our hearts that you are restoring us to your original design and allowing us to experience our purpose, which is to love and to be loved. Father, I pray that you would begin in our relationship with you. Father, would you reveal and guide and allow us to find our way in living life as you intended. If you would just continue to keep your eyes closed and your heads bowed, I want to invite the worship team to come on up. Lord, I'm reminded that in the end, in eternity, that it'll be the church that stands in your presence. And you've given us this privilege to begin to get a taste, to get a glimpse of what it will be like in eternity. Father, I thank you that that experience runs the gamut from our personal quiet times with you to our small group gatherings, to our corporate gatherings, to our experience at work and at school, because God, you're everywhere and you inhabit every aspect of our lives. God, I pray that you would open the eyes of our heart to be able to perceive your presence and your activity and allow us to be one with you, to commune with you, to abide in you, to experience you. Lord, would you deepen our relationship with you? Would you cause us to grow in our ability to trust you? 
Father, would you unpack the fullness of our salvation? Allow us to walk in the fullness of what you intended our lives to be. And if you would keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I'd like to address another part of the audience here today. As you're listening to me talk about a relationship with God, that may be something that you've been thinking about lately. In fact, you sense that God's been trying to get your attention. And as a result, you've begun to respond and you're searching. And if that describes you and you've never made a formal choice to invite God into your life, if you've never made a conscious decision to say, yes, God, I'd like to experience you, then I'd like to give you an opportunity to do that today. The most important part is that you make a decision in your heart and mind 